Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Now, Marie Van Britten Brown, as a black woman in the United States in the 1960s, you know, had so many social, societal, and financial barriers that it likely was very, very challenging for her for any number of different reasons, including having companies willing to work with her to produce her security systems. Hello, Dallas Campbell here, and welcome once again to another episode of Patented. It's my podcast all about the history of inventions and the stories of the people who make those inventions. Brought to you from History Hit. Now, when I was a kid, I don't know about you, I loved the idea of inventions, and I knew from, as a fact, age six, that I would be a great inventor one day. Most of my inventions came from the Lego set various things. I actually did make a robot once. I invented a robot. Robots didn't really exist back then. Well, they existed in fiction and I certainly wanted to make the kind of classic humanoid robot that would be my, you know, my friend, my servant. And so I dispatched my mother out to the hardware store to get some wire. That's all I knew. I knew a robot must have wires in it somewhere and I knew it must have a body. So I went into the garage and I built a, a body made out of some bits of wood, a sort of oblong box. And the wires arrived back and that's kind of as far as I got because I had no idea how to plumb it all in or how the electronics might work or indeed how a robot worked at all. However, the robot body did become a magazine rack. So there you go. There's a lesson there. From one bad idea or a failed project, something new and practical was born. And I think that the magazine rack still exists somewhere in my mum's garage. I also, pertinent to this particular episode, invented a kind of burglar alarm out of a musical greeting card and a battery and some wire again, as a way of alerting me when my sister would come into my room. Today's episode is about an inventor, perhaps someone you haven't heard of. I certainly hadn't heard of her until quite recently. And it's a woman called Marie Van Britten Brown. And she really is the inventor of the home security system, kind of as we think of them now. She might not be a name you're familiar with. She was actually from Queens in New York in the mid-1960s. She was an African-American nurse. And Queens back then was quite a rough place. And so as is the trope, necessity is the mother of invention, you can understand maybe why she wanted to invent a home security system. It was very much the forerunner of the ubiquitous smart doorbells that we see today, or the ring cameras that you might have in your house, you know, a camera with a screen. My guest to talk about Marie Van Britten Brown is Shantavia Johnson, who is currently the Vice President for Entrepreneurship and Innovation at Clemson University. That's a good job title, isn't it? But previously to that was a patent lawyer. If only I'd had a patent lawyer living in my house when I was six. Anyway, she's been helping to revive and spread Marie's story and share some of the lessons that it can teach us about who gets to be an inventor in the first place and what an inventor actually is and what the important things to know are. Enjoy the show.
welcome to the show. Welcome to Patented. Thank you, Dallas. I am thrilled to be here with you. Well, we are thrilled. You are our first guest from South Carolina. Awesome. Great place to visit. Come see me sometime. And you're born and bred there, aren't you? You're from there. I am. So raised in South Carolina, born in North Carolina, right across the border, but a Southern girl through and through. You've had a sort of an interesting and varied career, but tell us what it is that you do at the moment. So I have. I like to think of myself really just as a connector. I connect people to the things they need. Yeah. <laughs> Though my professional background is in law, so I'm a patent lawyer by training. Hey, welcome to Patented. You're a patent lawyer. I am in the right place, of course. <laughs> You're totally in the right place. You're still a patent lawyer. So I do not practice law anymore. Today I am in higher education. So I work for a university where I help the university manage its entrepreneurship and innovation projects. I'm also an entrepreneur. But patent law, intellectual property law is a common thread through all of these things. You are exactly who I need to have on this show today and speak to. It's funny because I, you know, we're a show called Patented. We've never really discussed patent law and how patents work and why some patents get picked up and others get forgotten and and it's funny actually a lot of the stuff that we do on the show a lot of the kind of inventions tend to be quite sort of I suppose European centric American centric and they always sort of end up sort of going back to sort of Thomas Edison at the end and there must be so much stuff that is just forgotten about and people who are forgotten in the constant flow of ideas you know one of those people I suppose Marie Van Britten who we're going to sort of talk a little bit about today is one of these people who we sort of think has been a bit forgotten. She invented the first home security system and no one remembers her. Why not? Well, so I think there are a lot of reasons for that, Dallas. And her fate is the fate of probably 95% of people who get patents, unfortunately, irrespective of background. So why are some people forgotten and some people not forgotten? Your patent in and of itself is not valuable. The patent is only valuable because of what you have the capacity, the resources, and the ability to do with it. So once I get a patent, the sky doesn't open up and millions of dollars <laughs> fall into my lap. You have to get a patent and then you have to commercialize and exploit whatever that invention is. And there are any number of reasons why some inventors don't get the opportunity to do that. Now, Marie Van Britten Brown, as a black woman in the United States in the 1960s, you know, had so many social, societal, and financial barriers that it likely was very, very challenging for her for any number of different reasons, including having companies willing to work with her to produce her security systems. Well, okay. Well, let's start at the beginning. Let's use her as an example of someone who has a brilliant idea, has a patent, and then for whatever reasons, as we, we can discuss, kind of gets forgotten about or gets overlooked. Who was she and what was her idea? So Marie Van Britten Brown was a nurse in the 60s. She was born in New York, in Queens, New York, and she invented, to your point, this first home security system. As a nurse by training, she did not work regular nine to five hours. Her husband was an electrician. So she would be at home all times of day or night by herself or with her two small children. She was concerned about her safety. And at that time in the 60s, the neighborhood that she lived in was seeing an uptick in crime. It was at that time a primarily diverse neighborhood, black neighborhood. And the police response time in that area was really slow. So she was just looking for ways to solve her problem. Who is it? Plato. Or I don't know who this originally is credited to, but necessity is the mother of invention, right? It's probably Plato or Confucius or somebody. <laughs> right. One of those 
our need will be the real creator, right? So she had a need. She had that need to protect herself and her family, particularly in her neighborhood, and especially because she was at home alone by herself all the time. So I think Queens is all quite hipster now, presumably, and gentrified and everything else. But back in the 60s, so difficult neighborhood to grow up in. What did she come up with? Like, what was her big idea? Because presumably doors were locked and bolted. What was her kind of like light bulb moment, as it were? So what she invented was the first home security system. And this was closed circuit television to be used for home monitoring. So if you think about your ring doorbell or any type of security system you might use right now, this was the precursor. This was the grandmother, grandfather of all of those different things. Well, funny you should mention my ring system. I have here my ring camera. So this is, I'm holding it up. This is the company called Ring and it's a kind of white tube with a camera in it and it connects to my Wi-Fi. And if I'm away from home, I can log on and have a look around my house and see who's robbing me. And so basically she came up with this, but in the 1960s. And yet Marie Van Britten Brown is not remembered for this. So what happened? Correct. If you take your ring doorbell, which you're holding up right now in the camera, if you took apart all the different inventions within that one system in the 1960s, this was almost incomprehensible to think about. But she essentially took all these pieces with her husband's help, who was an electrician who could develop the mechanical devices, and she connected a system to the front door that had peepholes at varying levels. So the camera, which was also attached to the system, could see people at different heights. There was a television back in the bedroom. The system was also connected to the front door with monitors, with a two-way microphone, and with an alarm button so that you could contact the police immediately. And so all these different components, the microphone, the television, the monitors, the peepholes, the alarm button, all those things that exist today in the 21st century were all their own individual components. Nobody had ever put these things together in this way. Back then in the 60s, there was no closed circuit television monitoring at all. Well, so there were some things. There were various pieces of this at the time. In the mid-60s, though, no one was creating full-blown home surveillance systems. In fact, one of my favorite, (laughs) the precursors to the home security system was in the 20s, at least in the United States, we had actual people who were called door shakers. And the homeowner would subscribe to this service and a door shaker, which was basically a group of night watchmen. They would come to your house at night and shake the door (laughs) to make sure it was locked and nobody could get in. (laughs) So 30, 40 years before Marie Rembrandt Brown's invention, what we had were door shakers. Funnily enough, I always go for the opposite of that. I had a, a brilliant idea for a security system, which is essentially just leave your door wide open and leave the radio on. And then everyone's going to think you're home and no one's going to burgle you. Just locking your door and turning all the lights off is a sure way to get burgled. Well, you know, I like the way you think. (laughs) Don't do that, listeners. Please don't listen to me at all. Buy yourself a ring camera instead. Did um, Marie Van Britten Brown, her and her husband, did they actually make a prototype? Or what was the step from having, I've got a brilliant idea, camera, television, microphone. Why don't we build a home security system? What was the sort of process? Yeah, so this is an interesting question because she invented this device in 1966, filed a patent application in the United States, which did not really get approved, did not become an officially registered patent until 1969. And we don't have a lot of information about what happened next, but there is an article in the New York Times from that time period that said they were looking for manufacturers 
and they intended to install this system in their own home, and they also wanted to work with home builders. And we don't have a full record of her life, of course, but what I imagine in the 1960s for a black woman and a black man to try to find all these different resources and put them together, it just would have been a huge challenge and probably cost prohibitive for many people. Are the patents that get through, do they generally come from people who, from more privileged backgrounds, wealthy backgrounds, simply because they have the time, the effort, the money to be able to pursue something like a patent, to be able to get it to market? What are the factors from going from patent to actually a product that people are going to buy? So that's a great question. And the answer, and I hate to be that kind of lawyer, but the answer is it depends. (laughs) (laughs) Right? So around the world, not just in the US, also in the UK and across the world, there are all kinds of ways you can get a patent application through your country's patent office. The real question is, are you in that echelon of people who get a quality, valuable patent? And I would say, even just looking at Mrs. Brown's patent, she got a patent, but it might not have been the strongest patent. What do you mean by strongest patent? I mean, how are patents kind of valued? So another really good question. In my opinion, Strong patents really have two jobs, two important jobs. I mean, there are all kinds of jobs, but two that I think of the most are, are you protecting the invention of the inventor? And are you blocking competitors from making some small tweak so that they can get around your patent? And I think her patent does a pretty good job of protecting the invention, but the way the patent application was written, it probably didn't block copycats. And we can see that in history. Shortly after Mrs. Brown's patent was published and became an officially registered patent, there were all these other home security systems that came out that were a little bit different from hers, just enough to get around the way her patent application was written. And the market exploded in the 70s and 80s. It became millions and then billion dollar markets after that. I mean, presumably it must have been quite a difficult thing to patent because although she came up with the idea of, of a home security system, she didn't invent the camera, she didn't invent a microphone and she didn't invent a kind of monitor. Presumably anyone could have taken those things and, you know, if they'd heard about the idea or maybe they'd come up with a similar idea. Is that what you mean by the sort of the fact that it would be easy to replicate? Kind of. So patent law does allow you to get a patent for improvements on things that already exist. So theoretically, you can get a patent for your improvement. The question is, can you afford to put all those pieces together? And have you written your patent application in a way that it's really, really, really broad? So if you say you've got to have these four elements, like what is the gray area? And if someone adds a fifth element or if they change the second element a little bit, can that be something that falls within your patent's umbrella? Or can they get around your patent altogether while still having all the other instructions they need to make your invention? We'll be back after this short break. Did you know that some of literature's greatest characters were real people. It's so fascinating, isn't it, that some of the Three Musketeers are also based on real soldiers. That Sir Walter Raleigh wasn't all that he's been cracked up to be. Chemist, poet, scholar, historian, courtier. He could have been great in all these different things. And that if your name is Dudley, you better watch your back. For the Tudors, each one of them took something from the Dudleys, either by working with a member of the Dudley family or, of course, by having one executed. 
I'm Professor Susanna Lipscomb, and I'm learning all this and much more, bringing you Not Just the Tudors, twice a week, every week. Subscribe now to Not Just the Tudors from History Hit, wherever you get your podcasts. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Do you think if Marie van Britten Brown had got herself a patent lawyer at the time, or I don't know when she did her patent, did she have somebody like you kind of going through the way that she'd sort of write it in order for it to be as robust as possible? Uh, Well, so she did have a law firm file this patent application for her. And I, again, I think they did a pretty good job. But looking at her application, there's certainly ways to make it more broad. Now, the real question is, could she commercialize that invention. And that, I think, is the bigger question, more so than what did she ultimately get on paper. Could she find all the different resources to not just make one for her house, but how do you do that at scale? And that's where I think inventors today, of any background, but especially people who have all these other social and institutional barriers, these are things people still struggle with today. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you look at the sort of history of inventions. I mean, I've got a kind of, where is it? Yes, I've got a, a kid's lady book called Great Inventions, and it goes through the history of inventions in the steam engine, and it's all white men with beards, you know, and it's, you know, there is no diversity in this book whatsoever. So what does the Marie Van Britten Brown story tell us about? Is it a legal problem or is it a more institutional, societal problem? Like, where are the barriers, do you think? So I think it's both. I do think access to the patent system around the world is severely limited for all the reasons you just alluded to, but also the commercialization question, how do I go to market with my invention, is one that has some solutions, right? And there can be organizations who provide resources. There can be these companies. You mentioned Amazon earlier. Amazon actually has a patent that relates to this patent from Marie Van Britten Brown from, you know, 40-something years ago. 
Does she get mentioned? Is she is she mentioned in their pattern? She is. So there are 36 as of today, I think 36 patents that reference Marie Britton Brown's work and her earlier patent. And so I, I do think there are solutions to the problem, but the two that continuously come up are the cost of patenting in the United States on average. It's about $50,000 from start to finish to get a patent. $50,000? $50,000, and that is no exaggeration. Why is it so much? Some of it is legal fees. Some of it is filing fees. Some of it is there are these fees throughout the process of owning your patent. Every so often, you have to file new documentation. All those things cost money. And if you're using a lawyer, the lawyer also wants to get paid for those things. So there are all kinds of ways in which the cost of a patent can be astronomical and out of reach for a number of people. Which explains why I suppose inventors do tend to be from a certain cultural group. It's a rich man's thing, or it seems to be at the moment. It, it is really more than anything a rich corporation's thing, because oftentimes it's companies getting the most valuable patents, not individuals. Do you think it's changing, though? I mean, is it becoming more democratic, the way that the patent systems work? I mean, I think about programs like Dragon's Den. I mean, do you get Dragon's Den in America? No. It's one of those shows where people kind of sit in front of some investors and they have to pitch their idea and the investors... Wait, you've never seen Dragon's Den? You'd love Dragon's Den. It's really good. I've not. I need to check it out. It seems to be they get a very wide group of people. It seems to be much more diverse than perhaps it used to be, thankfully. I do think there certainly is more awareness now about the cost, about the barriers, about how we need to do more to support people who historically have been excluded from the innovation ecosystem. And so things are shifting slowly. In the U.S., at least, we still don't keep track of demographic data about inventors. So we really don't know how many people are being excluded, but we know that there's a wide disparity. One thing I've noticed in sort of doing this podcast about invention is that very often there seems to be a time lag between an idea or a group of people having a very similar idea and then an idea actually taking off. And one of the famous ones is wheels on suitcases. Everyone everyone always cites, why didn't we have wheels on suitcases until the 1970s? Well, they did. I mean, there are patents for wheels on suitcases going back to the 1920s. And it just didn't catch on until airports got really big and suddenly the zeitgeist was in the right place. And I suppose, I don't know about, you know, in in this particular case with home security systems, was it a case that the technology wasn't quite cheap enough, good enough, small enough to make something like a home security system work? And then, you know, obviously when we get into the digitization in the 90s and early noughties, then suddenly it could take off and lo and behold, the internet comes along and then we've got an invention like this ring camera. Oh, I think that definitely had a ton to do with it. So other inventions from that same time period, HP had invented its first computer. In the UK, the first patent for an ATM using a plastic card and a PIN number. The first handheld calculator was patented also in 1966. So that's a huge chasm between having access to those things and then putting closed circuit television, which at the time was primarily used by the military, putting all those things together. But what we do see happening by the early 1970s is there's this huge explosion in both residential and commercial security systems through the telephone. And then in the 80s, it expanded even more, still mostly hardwired. And of course, over time, it's a $14 billion industry now. You say that, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. When I was 12, I needed to spy on my sister. 
because that was the necessity. What I did, I had a you know I had a musical birthday card that someone had given me, and when you opened the card, it played a little tune. And the way it worked was there was a little chip, and it pulled a bit of paper out, and then it made a connection, and the tune played. Anyway, I took that off. And I stuck it on my sister's door with a bit of paper. And I put lots of wire all the way along the landing of our house into my room with a tiny speaker. So I knew when my sister was coming in and out because it would play happy birthday to me. Which is kind of like a home security system, but I didn't patent it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so this is hilarious because when I was a girl in the 1980s, one of my favorite birthday toys was this little closed circuit electrical system toy where you could create exactly what you just described on your own. And I did the same thing with my little sisters, but I was trying to keep them (laughs) out of my room (laughs) and out of my clothes and everything else. Did the same exact thing. Marie Van Brittenbrand, she hasn't been forgotten. In the world of home security, can we give her the credit as the inventor of it, do you think? So I believe so. And I do think some things around that are shifting. So today there's a children's book about Marie Van Brittenbrand. There's also, at least in the US, the United States Patent and Trademark Office has a series where they recognize maybe inventors who have been forgotten like Marie Van Britten Brown and others. There's even like a deck of playing cards with different inventors on them now. But I completely agree with you there. As prominent as we treat Thomas Edison or or Albert Einstein or some of these other great inventors in history, people like Marie Van Britten Brown should also be recognized. It's great. And, you know, one of the great things about the invention of the internet is means we can do things like podcasts where we can actually celebrate these forgotten people throughout history. You know, I think it's really, really important. I've got a friend actually who looks for lost patents and she did a whole book about lost patents, about women who made bicycle clothing for women in the Victorian era, like really amazing mechanical clothes because, of course, women wore these long skirts and so cycling was difficult. Skirts with kind of pulleys and hooks and all these amazing, like fantastically creative things that had just been completely ignored by a you know a very very limited history that we're all sort of used to hearing and suddenly these whole worlds of the past and people and names that we'd never heard of suddenly appear and you know the world is a much richer and exciting place as a result right and it also inspires that next wave of inventors the new generation of people who maybe don't see themselves in Thomas Edison but they do in a Marie Brown as a patent lawyer First of all, when did you come across this story and how did you come across this story? So a few years ago, I was invited to speak to a group at the Smithsonian about inventions and black inventors around the world and the ways in which, similar to this conversation, the ways in which we could honor the legacy of those inventors while also learning how to create new opportunities for new inventors. So I did some digging read a couple of books about, just to your point earlier, Dallas, inventions that have been lost to history. And this was one that came up in the course of my research, and this was maybe four years ago or so. And the more I learned about Marie Brown's story, the more I wanted to know more about Marie Brown's story. So that's really how I found out about her and found out about her life and her legacy and her work. Is she still with us, by the way? 1966 is not that long ago. Yeah, she passed away in 1999. I hope she has family who are around to know that she's remembered and thought of. 
So as I understand it, she has a daughter who actually is an inventor herself, who's also a nurse. We don't know much about her daughter, or at least I don't, and nothing I've read really talks much about her daughter. But she does have one child who hopefully is living the legacy of her mother. Thank you very, very much for joining me today. Marie Van Britten Brown, there's a kid's book about her. And if you, have you written about her? I mean, she's someone I know that you've been sort of talking about a lot. I have. So I have done a couple of different podcast episodes and I made a YouTube video. We did an interview about Marie Van Britten Brown, which you can find on my YouTube channel if you just search for Shantavia Johnson. We will look at that. Thank you very, very much for joining us. Hey, and listen, will you come back on again with more stories of forgotten patents and interesting patents and interesting people that we need to know about? Would be happy to. Thank you. That's it. Thank you very much for listening. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. Do leave a glowing rating and a five-star review if you can. It helps others discover the show. And don't forget... Go and listen to some of our other episodes. I pride myself in this podcast in the fact that we are nothing if not broad. We cover a a huge range of different stories and topics and people and there'll be something in there that you'll definitely enjoy. Don't forget to get in touch. I love hearing what you think about the show and if you've got any ideas you have, we shall put them on the list or if there's any stories you'd like me to dig in a little bit deeper. Next week, ah, next time I should say, we're doing a story of, well, probably the invention of the last five years. Certainly one of the most talked about inventions of the last five years. And that's cryptocurrency. It's still kind of shrouded in mystery and uncertainty and confusion. So we're going to get to the bottom of cryptocurrency. Where did it come from? Why did it come from? Who did it come from? And how does it work? Look forward to your company. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. While I still have you, very briefly, if you fancy getting all of the History Hit podcast archive and new episodes ad-free, along with hundreds of history documentaries to watch, download our app across Apple App Store, Google Play and smart TV platforms. Follow the link in the show notes or go to historyhit.com slash subscribe. There is thousands of hours of history on there, including a documentary on science in the Middle Ages with Seb Falk, and also one with me talking about the secret history of the space race. As a patented listener, you get a special gift if you use the code patented at the checkout. You get 50% off your first three months. That's patented for 50% off your first three months. And if you're an Apple listener, you can subscribe for new ad-free podcast episodes within the Apple app.